Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here again with Zach Rizzuto. This is your episode. We collected a bunch of questions from the Upper Hand Fantasy community, and we got some good ones on this episode, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. And we purposely chose questions that we think that would help a lot of people uh, in their drafts, kind of like how they view the entire fantasy landscape, uh, you know, kind of moving forward and into the season. We're already in the middle of August now. Uh, We already passed the first week of preseason. So we're getting right into crunch time. Uh, And, you know, we're we're less than a month away from kickoff uh, for the NFL regular season. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. There's a few things that we want to mention uh, in our rapid recap uh, before we get into the question and answer session. Uh, So, Zach, please go ahead and take that away. Right. So ESPN's Brady Henderson writes that Seahawks rookie Kenneth Walker is, quote, going to be a bigger part of Seattle's backfield than people may realize, end quote. Could Kenneth Walker have some standalone value maybe in the Seahawks backfield? Or is Rashad Penny still the player to target in Seattle? I am avoiding both right now. Uh, Kenneth <laughs> Walker, fair. he has a, he has a sports hernia injury, apparently, and that's not good. No, uh, yeah, no. Pete Carroll said that he, yeah, Pete Carroll said that he should be ready by week one, but I'm not one to trust Pete Carroll uh, and his projections. So you know, I listen. I love Walker uh, as a talent in terms of him, you know, as a runner, uh, but he is not someone I'm targeting as you know someone who will likely not catch a lot of passes. Uh, you know, he's likely going to be sharing early down work if Penny stays healthy on an offense who will likely be in a lot of negative game scripts. Uh, you know, in this past game without Penny, Penny sat that game because he had an injury of his own. Uh, he, you know, uh, Walker played the early down role. Um, but in obvious passing situations, he came off the field. So if Penny gets hurt, right, and Walker is healthy, he can do his thing. But if he's not getting a role on passing downs on a bad offense, I don't think I'm going to be targeting him, uh, especially if he currently has a soft tissue injury. And, you know, sports hernia, that's tricky, right? Sometimes that ends up with surgery. That can potentially linger. Uh, So not excited about that at all. It's possible that this flips on Seattle and, you know, Rashad Penny ends up being a thing again if if this (laughs) injury is a little bit more serious uh, than than they're taking it. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, Kenneth Walker for me, he kind of screams like a trap pick because, you know, it looks like he has a talent. You know, we know he has a talent, but it looks like he could be in line for a a significant role. But you just said that he might not have that passing game role. 
that he would need to have to have value, especially on an offense, like you said, that would be in a negative game script most of the time. It's just every report seems like seems to point us less and less in the direction of Walker and more and more in the direction of Penny. And, you know, the way things are going, maybe we will see the vintage 2021 back half of the season Rashad Penny that we all loved seeing last year. And a lot of people, you know, loved having and they're drafting him to be this year, especially in zero running back. So I think that would really, that would, that would be interesting. I, I, I'm avoiding Kenneth Walker as well. Um, I, like I said, I think he might be a trap pick here. People could take him thinking they're going to get some value, and he might be a flop from a fantasy perspective, at least this year. All right, the next report comes from ESPN's Jeff Legowald, who writes that when Russell Wilson, quote, really needs a completion or has moved off his spot, end quote, he's looking for Cortland Sutton over Jerry Judy. Has Cortland Sutton distanced himself from Jerry Judy to the point where this is like a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, clear difference situation? Now, as much as I like Cortland Sutton, it's no secret that, you know, he's been my preferred guy, you know, this entire offseason. But I, I do think that these guys are going to end up being relatively close in terms of, like, fantasy points scored. Uh, I think Sutton has more upside, you know, which is why I want to draft him. Uh, right. You know, he's that that alpha. He proved in the NFL before. Um, and also, like, all the reports this entire training camp have been that, you know, just like this one. Right, that Sutton is Wilson's yeah. primary read on most plays. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, it'll be a 1A, 1B situation. So, you know, I won't be as disappointed, you know, if I miss out on Sutton and have to grab Judy. Uh, you know, if I want a piece of this Broncos offense, I'm not targeting Judy a whole lot because I don't think his upside is as high as some of the other guys going around him. Uh, but I do think that Sutton, uh, at his price, can potentially, you know, severely you know, he could outproduce that ADP where he's being drafted. Absolutely, I'm with that. I have no question about Cortland Sutton. And, you know, I was kind of on your, I was in your boat. I think he's going to be the guy that Russell Wilson's looking for. He's the one with more upside, the one that's going to ultimately score more fantasy points this year over Jerry Judy. I don't have a problem with Jerry Judy. It's just I kind of compare this situation. I feel like it's going to resemble, resemble somewhat close to uh, Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, well, this year. Except Jerry Judy, I think, is going to be just a step down from what Allen Robinson can be in that offense if we're looking for a comparison, that kind of thing. Um, I think Sutton's a clear one. And I think Jerry Judy is a clear two. And it's not it's not a knock on Judy at all. His talent is there. I'll give him that. But I think that Sutton is just meshing with Russell Wilson at a point right now where he could be the go-to guy, where Tyler Lockett seemed to be, you know, Wilson's go-to guy in Seattle. I think Sutton could step in that role, um, albeit in a much bigger frame. Uh, physically than Lockett was I think there's clear distance between them and I'm happy with where Cortland Sutton's going I think Jerry Judy is a value where he's going because if he does perform better than I'm anticipating you know um, it could be it could be a really good value there for Judy but I think that Judy's ADP is appropriate I think Sutton's ADP is you know a good value right now they're both good values but um, I, I think Cortland Sutton has clear distance between them yeah I hear that. Our next report comes from ESPN's Jordan Rannon, and he believes that Saquon Barkley's 2022 workloads will be huge as long as he's healthy. What's Saquon Barkley's ceiling in an offense that features Daniel Jones, Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay, even maybe Wondell Robinson if we see him a little bit more this year? This offense is featuring Saquon Barkley. Like, he looks good. <laughs> he's back. You know, he's a year removed from the torn ACL. He has a 100-catch season to his name. And even without Eli Manning, Barkley has 
you know, 80 catch upside, right? Because he's an elite right. receiver out of the backfield. I'm not concerned about Daniel Jones not targeting him. Like, he better target him, right? Because they're going to design plays to get Saquon the ball. They're going to emphasize to check down to Saquon. Um, and the offense doesn't – like, it, it's not going to be good, okay? But as long as right. you have an elite three-down back on the field in negative game scripts, the points are going to rack up on those receptions in garbage time. So yeah. sign me up for Saquon this year. Like, the dude has overall RB1 upside in the second round straight up. That that's bold. You know, I, I'm kind of, I'm 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 wary of calling him overall RB one upside. I, I just feel like, I mean, we've seen his efficiency numbers drop the past two years, and granted, he's dealt with injuries and that kind of thing. And we know what he can be because we saw it in his rookie season. But I don't think he's just quite there yet physically, or if he's going to get back to that point physically. And like we said, the offense is bad. I'm expecting it to be very bad, but you know, with names like you know Kadarius Tony, I know we're obviously big fans of Kadarius Tony. Kenny Galladay, you know, he was a big name, but he looked actually looked really bad in the first preseason game. They have weapons. It's not like they don't have weapons, but I think ultimately Daniel Jones is what's keeping the offense from taking the next step, and then that's also going to prevent that touchdown upside from coming for Saquon Barkley. Barkley's talented. I mean, he's he's quick. You know, we know what he can be. But I think in an offense that's not going to be scoring many touchdowns, that might be going three and out more often than they don't, you know, he ha he's obviously a really good fantasy asset, and he does have upside, but I would cap him at top five. I don't think he's cracking any higher than that, just because of the talent that's up there at the top. I think that it's a little bit lower than what you're saying, but, I mean, you know, you can call me out if I'm wrong. <laughs> and I will. <laughs> right. I will. I, you know, I really think that you know Saquon, because of the fact that like he could potentially get now, you know, it's really tough for me to look at last year's numbers and say that Saquon, you know, is that right? It's really tough for me to look at the year prior had that high ankle sprain. You know, it's one of those situations where yes, can we label him injury prone? Maybe, but I want to. I, I choose to believe that he is the, the elite prospect and elite player that he was coming into the league. And, you know, the high ankle sprain and then the torn ACL, you know, is what has been limiting him over the last two years. Uh, and now going into this season, uh, you know, and the data has shown that, you know, after a year removed from the ACL, you know, running backs do return to form. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for Saquon. And, you know, even on a bad offense, you know, I kind of equate it to, to, to Najee Harris's role last year. But Saquon is a much better prospect, much better athlete, uh, just a much better player than Najee Harris. And I think that the efficiency can be a lot better than what Najee Harris showed last year. Similar type of role, but I think Saquon can do a lot more with it, uh, even if he does, he's not scoring, you know, 15, 16 touchdowns. But even on a bad offense, I do think that Saquon still has that potential 15 touchdown upside. All right, you know, I'll, I'll give you that. Although I, you know, I'm a Najee guy, so I don't know. Kind of <laughs> hurt. I, I was kind of to... broke a little on the inside, you know, when you're saying that Saquon's a better player than Listen, Najee. <laughs> I, I kind of did that on purpose, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, I wanted to try to elicit a you know response. One hundred percent. Right. All right. So that about covers it for the rapid recap. We're going to jump into the mailbag. We're going to be answering your questions. That's what you're here for. Our first question comes from Matt.Smith.22, and he's asking, would you rather have Nick Chubb or Leonard Fournette for fantasy this season? I'd much rather have Leonard Fournette. I mean, he, he's going to be on a better offense, number one, right? We have no idea if Deshaun Watson is going to play this year. It's leaning, I think it's like, you know, trending towards him not playing. 
this year. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. Uh, not only that, Nick Chubb is not involved in the pass game at all. He's sharing with Kareem Hunt. Leonard Fournette seems to be the clear three-down back right now. Rashad White uh, is, like, you know, kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit right now. You know, he didn't play with the starters uh, in the first preseason game. He came in a little bit later after a couple of guys. Uh, he even came in later after Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, so, I mean, obviously it's early, but it seems to me right now yeah. Leonard Fournette has that starting job, uh, you know, and listen, he's going to be peppered. Even on even if Gio comes in, Gio Bernard comes in uh, on, on third downs or Rashad White comes in on third downs, he's going to be peppered on early downs by Tom Brady, uh, you know, especially given the fact that a couple of these wide receivers are banged up. So I I much rather have Fournette. He has a touchdown upside as well. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb is a better running back, but he doesn't have the opportunity that Leonard Fournette does this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I go Leonard Fournette over Nick Chubb by a long shot. And, you know, we've talked about Nick Chubb a little bit, how he just doesn't have the workload. First off, I mean, just looking at the workload, you know, Leonard Fournette has, you know, he has the upside. He has the upper hand to say, so to speak. Um, but you also look at the way Nick Chubb gets used. He doesn't get a whole lot of, you know, catches. He doesn't get the catches that Leonard Fournette did. And, you know, you don't really think of Leonard Fournette as a, a receiving back until he, you know, got with uh, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady was throwing at him all the time, like you said. Um, I think Fournette is, if I'm not mistaken, he might actually be going right around or a little bit later than Nick Chubb in drafts. But I think that Fournette absolutely has much more upside, much more, a much safer floor, I think, um, than Nick Chubb. And like we said, he's in a much better offense. And talking about the Sean Watson, you know, even if he does play this year, it won't be till late in the year. And at that point, you know, they might not even be contending, the Browns. Because if, if they're not contending, there's no reason to trot out a guy. I mean, unless you want to see how he does. I mean, the preseason wasn't really a good indicator for um, Deshaun Watson, but he didn't look too good. Um, but Leonard Fournette's on a much better offense. And it kind of goes along with the uh, idea that you should really just be, at the end of the day, you shoot for upside or you target players on good offense and offenses. And that's what Leonard Fournette does. That's what you do by taking Leonard Fournette over Nick Chubb. I'm going Pollard. What about you? Yeah, I'm absolutely going Pollard here. I mean, the Chiefs' backfield is a mess. Okay. What's the next one? We have Pollard or Kareem Hunt. I'm going Pollard again. What about you? I would. I think I would have to go Pollard, but this one's a little bit closer for me because Kareem Hunt has that opportunity to be traded. Obviously, they deny his request, but it's still you know on the table ultimately. Um, we know what Kareem Hunt is if he does get RB1 workload. So that one's a little bit more difficult for me to answer, but at this moment in time, as things stand, it's Pollard. Who else you got? We got Pollard and Chase Edmonds. Who would you rather have? And this one probably hits you right where you need to think about it. I'm going Pollard here too. Okay, that's really interesting because, you know, you're, you're a big Chase Edmonds guy, or at least you were. So what, what well, makes you pick Pollard I over like Edmonds? I liked Edmonds where he was going in drafts, and uh, you know Pollard's going a couple rounds earlier than him. If I had to choose between the two in a vacuum, I'm I'm still going Pollard, right? Like I don't like Edmonds if he if I had to take him two rounds earlier than than you know where he's going, you know. So like right. I much rather go Pollard at his price, and I understand why Pollard is priced the way he is, right? He's gonna have right. more opportunities than he's had last year. Right. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean taking Zeke off the field. Like we've talked about this before. Kellen Moore yeah. has said that he wants to play. He wants him to play different positions. And we will likely see these guys on the field together a ton with Pollard playing more out of the slot. So and then when you look at what he did last year, we have, we have to remember 
Among qualifying running backs last year, Pollard ranked fourth in yards after contact per attempt. He was 11th in missed tackles force per rushing attempt. He was third in yards per route run among qualifying running backs. The dude was super efficient last year. And, you know, this is not, I'm not even mentioning that he could potentially take away some work from Zeke, right? This could potentially be a true 50 50 share in this backfield with one of these guys being more efficient than the other. And I'm not talking about Zeke, (laughs) right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you got to consider Zeke too. He's past the carry threshold where running backs start to decline. He's getting to that age as well. And we might have been witnessing that decline over the past two seasons, you know, whether you want to blame it on injury or not, because guess what? Injuries are included in those samples of running backs declining. Like that is part of the process of a running back declining. So if Zeke gets hurt again, and, you know, if he has to miss games, because it's going to happen at some point in his career, like despite him being somewhat of an Ironman his whole career, you know, that has to give at some point. Uh, yeah. Pollard, you know, will absolutely shine. Um, you know, I love having him on my fantasy team because there's kind of multiple ways that he can give you value, right? Yeah. You know, the, the thing for me that I think might be interesting to some people is the way I'm handling Pollard, at least when it comes to drafting him, He's a running back, but I'm drafting him as a receiver at this point because the what we've been hearing is that he's going to be using the slot and that Zeke isn't going to be coming off the field to get him time. And I look at the Cowboys depth chart and they have C.D. Lamb and then, you know, they drafted Jalen Tolbert, but he didn't look too good in the preseason. And outside of that, they don't really have anybody. So Dallas trusts Tony Pollard and we know he can catch the ball. They say they're using him out of the slot. I'm, I'm taking him as a slot receiver at this point. You know, I'm not drafting him to be a running back. I'm taking him to be a pretty high upside slot receiver that I can play at running back, which is pretty awesome, If you're, especially if you're going zero running back. Um, I think he's a really unique fantasy asset in that sense. And that, like you said, you, he can get you points a lot of different ways, and that's really valuable to have, especially considering, you know, the range that he's going in. So is Tony Pollard going to be Cordell Patterson this year? That would be interesting. It's interesting because, you know, Cordero Patterson, he kind of came from, he was a receiver that turned running back. This would be a running back turned receiver. I think that Pollard has the talent to do it. You know, it would be really just something to see if they do use him as a receiver and he gets, you know, seven, eight targets. That would be awesome. Just Even if it's combined out of the backfield and out of the slot, that would be like a Swiss Army knife, plug and play. Like, oh. I can't even imagine what that would do for fantasy teams. It would open up a whole new dimension, make things a lot easier for whoever has them. That would be interesting, for sure. Yeah. All right, our next question comes from Goulash32, and he's asking, does DJ Moore finish as a top 10 receiver with Baker Mayfield under center this year? It, it, it can happen. Um, I mean, he was a top seven fantasy wide receiver with Sam Darnold through five weeks of last season, but it was only five weeks, right? And right. then it kind of went to shit after that. Like, he has the talent, but I'm not ready to think he'll have a top 10 season this year, even with the quarterback upgrade. Listen, he has had a great four-year career so far. I think he's super young. I, I still think he's a dynasty buy. Uh, so, you know, he has that potential. He just always needed a quarterback. But at the same time, you know, while I do like more, more with Baker Mayfield, I won't be calling for a top 10 season. Top 15, sure. I think that's a lot more attainable. A lot more palatable, um, but I I see the the Panthers losing a lot of games this year, drafting a quarterback yeah. early next year, and you never know, that quarterback can be pretty damn good, and DJ Moore can finally 
have his breakout, breakout, true breakout season. I mean, he's already bro- kind of broken out because he's been pretty good since his rookie year and his second year. You know, he did. He had, I think he had three straight one thousand yard seasons um, since his rookie year. So you know, I'm excited for his career, but at this point, I think that is still a year too early for that huge year for him. Right, and you could say maybe that DJ Moore is somewhat quarterback proof, but I don't think anybody's Baker Mayfield proof. If DJ Moore hasn't had you know, a fantastic receive, receiving season. Um, he, he's been good, but he hasn't had, like, a breakout, true breakout season like you are talking about with any other quarterback. It's not going to happen with Baker Mayfield. Mayfield had Odo Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry on his teams, and neither of them ever finished anything close, the, a top 10 finish. It was just – I mean, Baker Mayfield, he's a good manager, but he's not going to be, you know, chucking the ball at DJ Moore over and over and over to the point where he'll be a top 10. I think top 15, like you said, is much more attainable. But even then, you know, I'm kind of just staying away from that. I would say top 20 is where he's going to finish, and it won't be top 15. Wide receivers 16, 17, 18 might be where I, I project him to finish. He's good, but it's just he's had this quarterback problem his whole career, and it sucks because it keeps happening to him. And we know what he can be probably if he does get a good quarterback, but he just hasn't gotten it yet. So for now, I'm still pumping the brakes. You know, he might be a dynasty buy, but – I'm not I'm not targeting him in redraft or dynasty this year. All right. Our next question comes from JP Duran 18. And he's asking, who's the most underrated fantasy quarterback in the later rounds of drafts? All right. I have a few underrated fantasy quarterbacks. Number one, Trey Lance. I, I don't think people understand, you know, that he has top five fantasy upside. All right. I got Kirk Cousins. Right. New system, focus on the pass game, could have his best year, and he has shown glimpses of that ceiling in the past, uh, you know, game to game, right? Justin Fields, you know, despite the lack of weapons, he has serious rushing upside. And this is like, you know, if you're picking quarterbacks super late, right? And we might see a ton more design rushes for him this year from, from his new offensive coordinator compared to like almost nothing from Matt Nagy. I have no idea why. They were still running the Andy Dalton offense, you know, with Justin right. Fields. Uh, but if you look at his last seven games last year, he averaged 51 rushing yards over those seven games. Like, think about that for a second. That's legit, right? That's an extra pass, more than an extra pass and touchdown, you know, per game. So I know that this is going to be a bad offense, but it's possible that he does his thing for fantasy this year. It's a little bit of a long shot, but he has the upside. Jameis Winston. This is going to be a more pass-heavy attack this year. He has a healthy Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, and Alvin Kamara. Okay, The, the dude is going to smash his ADP. I don't care how many interceptions he throws. It's his job. I don't think his job is in jeopardy. I don't think he's going to be benched. I think this is his team. So I'm not really worried about that. Right. I like all of those picks. But one that really stands out to me is he's going right in the same range as, you know, the Jameis Winstons and Justin Fields. It's Tua Tagovailoa. I love his offense right now. They did everything they could to get him the weapons that he needs to succeed and actually have a true, you know, like show us what you got season. And I think that's coming this year. And it's going to be huge. He's going right in that range. I think he might be QB 17 or 18 right now coming off the board. And, you know, he's throwing a Tyreek Hill. He's throwing a Jalen Waddle. He's got Mike Kosicki. He has a revamped running back core behind him. His offensive line got better. They drafted they, – they didn't draft. They uh, signed Teron Armstead. This is a team that got so much better. And I don't think people are really, you know, giving him credit for that. And his ADP isn't really reflecting that. You know, Tua might be – a good, not great quarterback, but 
Kirk Cousins is a good, not great quarterback. You know, Justin Fields, we don't know if he's going to be a good or a great quarterback, but we know he can run. Tua's young. He can still move. So when you give him all these weapons, Tyreek Hill, who's one of the most dynamic deep threats in the game, Jalen Waddell, had, he broke the record for receptions by a rookie. You know, he's obviously shown promise. There's no reason to think that he can't absolutely smash his ADP where he's sitting right now. I like all the guys you said, but if I was picking today, I would go Tua over all three of them, except maybe Trey Lance. But I, I wouldn't really consider him late, late round. I think people are kind of, they're tuned in a bit, but um, not as much as they should be. Uh, I'm with you on that one. That's a great call. Right. All right. So our next question comes from Paul Miller three, and he asks, who's one player currently going undrafted that you'll be monitoring closely on the waiver wire during the season? I'm sorry, man. I, I couldn't pick one guy. I have like 20. All right. All right. So gonna... let's, let's, let's hear him. <laughs> All right. So you know how after you draft, like you have your like watch list? Right of yeah. guys like there's a whole bunch of guys you're going to star, whole bunch of guys you're going to throw in your watch list. These are the guys I'm going to be throwing on my watch list. Okay, you know, according to ADP, guys like Romeo Dubs and Isaiah Pacheco are not being drafted, but for the most part, those guys will be drafted because you know there's a there's serious hype around them right now. So most likely they're going to be drafted, right? But guys yeah. like Gerald Everett, Brian Robinson, Daryl Williams, Alec Pierce, KJ Osborne. Chuba Hubbard is an interesting one because yeah. in, in in the preseason week one, he actually took over the passing down work, which is very interesting. Last year, remember, they had, who was it, Amir Abdullah, right, was on the Panthers yeah. last year, and he was coming on the field to take over for that passing down work. Amir Abdullah is now in Las Vegas, so they don't have that guy anymore, and if CMC goes down again, Chuba Hubbard is going to be way more valuable this year than he was last year because he's not going to be coming off the field and he's going to be playing in those two-minute situations and being on the field on third down. So keep that in mind. I was off of Chuba Hubbard until I saw what I saw in week one of preseason. Next, Gus Edwards, Nico Collins, Wandale Robinson, who apparently is not being drafted enough. I, I, that, that one I couldn't believe that you know his ADP was lower right. than the 15th, 16th round. Austin and you know Hooper. I love Wandale. <laughs> I know you love Wandale. I, I I know you do. And like I think you know, you know what's interesting about Wandale too is like Kadarius Tony, uh, you know, he <laughs> he's a great player, but you know, there's been some serious health issues with him, right? He has a hamstring yeah. injury right now. And, you know, Wandale could potentially you know, he's listed as a starter. He's gonna be their starting slot receiver for now. Sterling Shepard, you know, coming off the Achilles injury. So, you know, we might not see him for a while. And even if he right. does come back, I'm not sure he'll be too effective. Right, so that's an interesting one to me. Um, Paris Campbell, Isaiah McKenzie, Kendrick Bourne, Trey Sermon, who by the way seems to be the number two guy behind Elijah Mitchell, who does have a hamstring injury right now, and Trey Sermon's right. kind of looking good. So, you know, which we would never have believed after what what happened last year. I was going to say what we saw last year, but we didn't see any of Trey Sermon last year. <laughs> um, yeah. And then of course, of course, Will Fuller, who we're all forgetting about. He's going to be signed soon. In the next like two weeks, he's gonna be signed somewhere. He doesn't he doesn't want to report to training camp. He doesn't want to do any of that stuff in the off season. He's gonna sign to a contender, and everyone's gonna be like, "Damn, I wish I drafted him." Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen, and if you didn't draft him, you're gonna be upset. <laughs> right. So th- those are those are just like you know just a couple guys, just a couple yeah. guys that I'm looking at. <laughs> I have I have like three, so this one won't be as long. 
But, Perfect. Um, Just add three I, to those. You, yeah. Thirty-five. So you actually you said two of my three, and I wasn't expecting Who are those guys? twenty. But you know, so Brian Robinson <laughs> won. Brian Robinson won because Antonio yes. Gibson's been struggling, and they seem to really like Brian Robinson there in Washington. Wondell Robinson, just because, like you said, Kadarius Tony. You know, if he has injuries, Wondell is listed as a starting slot receiver, and that's exactly what I'm looking for because he might be the most talented receiver on the offense if Kadarius Tony isn't on the field. Agreed. And well, then, Kenny Galladay isn't doing anything right now. He's not doing he nothing. Looked, he's, he, he looked horrific he, in the preseason, too. He had a couple bad and, drops. And he's not doing anything in camp. Like, he's not doing right. anything in camp. So, like, he's just an afterthought at this point. It's either going to be Kadarius yeah. Tony or Wondell Robinson or both. Yeah. Both would be cool. But, you know, just Wondell would be pretty cool, too. And then my third guy, <laughs> I'm surprised that you didn't mention his name, but Desmond Ritter, you know. That Falcons quarterback room is in limbo. If Marcus Mariota shows any signs of, you know, not getting it done, I mean, I know the Falcons aren't um, planning to contend, I don't think, this year. But if they want to see how Desmond Ritter looks, he might see the field. And we saw how he looked in the preseason, and he has legit rushing upside, I think. You know, what was it, six carries for 50-some yards? Really good, especially for fantasy. So I am keeping him on my watch list the whole time if I hear anything that Desmond Ritter could be trending towards playing one week. I'm taking him as an immediate streamer, possible quarterback too. So that's who I have my eyes on. Love it, love it. Thanks for thanks for keeping it nice and concise. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it, but I appreciate who, you. Who, that's who you, wouldn't uh, keep it concise, right? <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> nah, you're good. All right, our next question comes from Jason Aponte, and he's asking, is Naeem Hines a PPR hero or a waste of time? Now, that one's a little polarizing. But let's hear let's hear what you think. Yeah. So I think he is worth grabbing uh in full PPR leagues in the twelfth round. He's a solid bench running back. And listen, it is possible that Frank Reich is telling you the truth uh when he literally said to draft him in fantasy. Okay. We might see yeah. him on the field with Jonathan Taylor Moore. We might see you know, see him on the field more because Matt Ryan like knows how and likes to target running backs opposed to Carson Wentz. Uh, and the upside for Hines, while JT is healthy, is like a Darren Sproles or a Danny Woodhead type of role or an Austin Eckler, you know, when Melvin Gordon was around type of role. Like right. that's his upside, which is in PPR, it's actually very usable, right? Um, and another interesting thing with Hines was that this past week in preseason week one, he played every snap and was in, on the field for every situation with the starters for the Colts, with JT not playing. So right. if JT misses a game, you might have Hines as a legit like high-end play, right? Especially in PPR leagues. Like he could be a potential RB1, you know, if they use him the way they used him in week one of preseason. Um so so we'll right. see how that goes. Um, but you know, his role could potentially be shifting to one that is a lot more usable than he has been over the past couple seasons. Right. I don't think he's a PPR hero. I think that might be going a little too far. But I also don't think he's a waste of time. Um, he has value, definitely, as a handcuff to Jonathan Taylor. And he has value just as a pass-catching back because they were talking about reducing Jonathan Taylor's workload a little bit. So I'm okay with Naeem Himes being drafted late, picked up on the waiver wire. There's no reason to reach for him, though. I don't think no. that he has that much value. Um, but this one, like I said, this question's pretty polarizing you don't want to call him either i think he's right in the middle of ppr hero and waste of time he's a really situational play but i think he can really do well for you 
when you play if he's in line for a decent workload. Yeah, and and if he ends up having a role like Darren Sproles has in the past or Danny Woodhead has in the past or Austin Eckler has in the past with Melvin Gordon there, I would consider that a PPR hero, right? Because he's one of those guys you can only kind of play in PPR, but you can play him every single week. You know, similar to uh, Duke Johnson was back in the day too, right? Where like he had that high floor, you know, that you can kind of plug in your lineup every single week as like a low-end RB2, right? Um, But, you know, it's possible that he he turns into that uh, and we'll see. You know, the, the, this coaching staff has been around uh, a few of those players, and if I'm not mistaken, all of them. <laughs> so right. <laughs> it's very possible that we see something like that. Yeah. Our next question comes from Four Entertainment Page, and they're asking, how do you feel about stacking players from the same team, and do you believe in diversification? I think stacking players is great in tournaments and in DFS. But in regular season long leagues, I, I think it's unnecessary. It actually decreases your upside, you know, depending on the stack, right? Like it's fun when your quarterback and wide receiver score together because you get that big right. time jump in points. So there is some upside there, like on a per game basis. But if you pick the wrong stack, right? Like you just had a couple of eggs in the same basket and it was the wrong basket, right? Like yeah. one of those guys gets hurt, it likes it likely hurts the other. Like when we're talking about quarterback and wide receiver, uh, and now you're hurt twice instead of just being hurt once, right? And yeah. potentially replacing that player with a better player, right? Um, so I do like diversifying, especially across multiple positions. Uh, you know, and I'm mostly talking about the higher end players, right? Like Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's elite, right? But I might want Michael mm-hmm. Pittman. So you know, if, but if there's a player close to Michael Pittman that I like after taking Jonathan Taylor, if I have him in a similar tier. I might use that as a tiebreaker, and I might choose to go elsewhere, you know, around that price. Uh, because if the Colts go run heavy in a game, right, it's going to be a JT game. And if the Colts go more yeah. balanced, Pittman might be the beneficiary, right? So what are the chances that they both go off in the same game? Not as high. So I like to be spread out, you know, to have the chance that as many players as I can, like for as many players as I can on my roster, to go off any given week. So I'm not 100% against it, but I try not to be extra dependent on one particular team, uh, even if that offense is elite, uh, because there's that chance for like that single point of failure, which I'm not really a fan of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm not 100% against it either, but there's really only one format that I really consider stacking players, and that would be a quarterback wide receiver stack in a super flex league. Because if you're starting two quarterbacks, you can go for a high upside stack and then fall back on a high floor quarterback. So if you take, say, you know, you have Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts as your quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts can be your high upside, and then say you pair him with A.J. Brown, and then you fall back on Dak Prescott as a high floor guy. I think that works. You can stack that way. Otherwise, I'm not really stacking players. Yeah, I kind of like that, actually. That's a, I, I've never thought about that. Like, I never thought about how, in the super flex, you know, because you kind of have – a, a backup plan, right, for the most right. part. So if you're, if you're going for that quarterback wide receiver stack, interesting. All right, our next question comes from Papadop15, and they're asking, in a super flex league, Papadop, is there, <laughs> in a super Papadop. flex league, is there Sorry, ever Zach. a situation where you draft two QBs with your first two picks? Yeah, uh, I'm with it. I mean, especially if you can get some elite upside. Like, for example, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts in the first. You come around the turn, Trey Lance is sitting there. Like, it's really hard to give up that, right? And, right. It, you know, it might not be necessary because, you know, if CMC 
if, if there's a huge quarterback run in the first round, right? Like, and CMC is sitting there, like, you know, near the late first of a super flex, like, I'm probably going to go CMC there, right, with that first pick, and then maybe grab the next quarterback available, you know, on the turn, right? Like, I'm with that. Um, right. And then in the third or fourth round, you can kind of grab the scraps, you know, of the quarterbacks, the starting quarterbacks available. Um, but grabbing two elite quarterbacks can give you a huge advantage. Like, for, first of all, position scarcity, right? And then the positional advantage there. Um, and they're simply the highest scoring position. So, I, I mean, I don't care as much about quarterbacks in the single quarterback leagues, but in Superflex, I'm trying to grab those two elite quarterbacks if I can, uh, but only if they're like the elite, like potential top five upside. Uh, and then grabbing that third starting quarterback several rounds later, like a Davis Mills or Marcus Mariota, you know, someone who's starting, right? In case right. like my guy gets hurt and I can kind of like in kind of replace that low end uh, quarterback two potentially or high end quarterback three um, and, and put him in my starting lineup. Right. So for my answer to this question, I think it's absolutely yes, there's a situation where you could draft two quarterbacks with your first two picks, but that's contingent on you know, certain players falling to you. I think the only chance you really have of drafting two good quarterbacks with your first two picks, or at least that I would consider doing back-to-back quarterbacks, would be somewhere in the middle of the first round that if you come back, if a quarterback manages to make his way down to you in the second round, they take him. So that kind of thing would be like, you draft a guy like Jalen Hurts in the first, turn around, and like you said, with Trey Lance in the second. I think that in the middle round, middle of the first round, that's the only way that happens to you. You're not going to draft Justin Herbert early in the first round of a super flex and then have a guy like Trey Lance fall to you in the second. It's just not going to happen. So I think there's really only one situation where that happens is if you're sitting in the middle of the first round and a quarterback like Trey Lance falls to you or any other quarterback, maybe even a Dak Prescott if he falls to you, you know, I would consider maybe doing two quarterbacks back to back. Otherwise, I feel like you're better off going with not quarterbacks, a quarterback and a receiver, a quarterback and a running back. Um, I, I wouldn't say tight end, but there is a situation for it, but it's really, yeah, I think it, it's really scarce that that kind of situation kind of comes up. But my answer to your question is yes, there is. Yeah. And I, you know, we just had a super flex draft, you know, at, you know, this past weekend at the fantasy football expo in Canton, Ohio. Right. And right. I, I ended. I had the first pick of the draft, right? I ended up going Josh Allen. It was a twelve-team league superflex. I ended up going Josh Allen, and then coming back to me at the two-three turn, I ended up taking Matthew Stafford, right? Now I did that because I was afraid that coming back to me, right at you know later on, like because I was gonna, my next pick was going to be you know twenty-four picks later. So I'm like, I don't know if there's going to be a good quarterback available. So I was kind of I felt the need to be forced to take Matthew Stafford there. Luckily, right. I was able to grab him and DeAndre Swift at the 2-3 turn. Uh, in a, you know, Obviously, a lot of quarterbacks be taken, so Swift fell to me, which I was super happy about. Right, uh, I was able to grab Michael Pittman coming back to me uh, the round after that, and I, and I was able to get James Conner the round after that. So, like, it ended up working out, which I'm happy about, but, you know, it might not, that might not always be the case. So, Stafford wasn't necessarily, like, a great pick there, and then it ended up working out like Stafford isn't necessarily an elite quarterback. I potentially could have got some, you know, similar type of upside, uh, you know, with my next pick. But, you know, just, just to kind of cover my bases, you know, that's one of the reasons why I took Stafford there, just because I don't want to end up with like a super low end quarterback, uh, you know, in my super flex. 
Right. No, no, I feel it. And don't ask me about my uh, super flex draft because, you know, my quarterbacks were Jameis Winston and Tua Tagovailoa. We just talked about them <laughs> as sleepers, though. So I, I'm feeling a little bit better about that stack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got Christian yeah. McCaffrey and I got Justin Eckler because of that one sticker. But <laughs> Do you know how many people responded to that, d- that story with Justin Eckler? Yeah, Who's right? that? Yeah, you know, and like, some people round. got some people understood <laughs> that it was like a mistake, like from the company that printed out those stickers. But like, right. there were legit, like, there were legit people in my DMs thinking that like we're the ones who created that, and like we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to fantasy. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, yeah. guys, like we know who Justin Eckler is, or or just okay. that I was targeting a deep, <laughs> deep, 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 deep sleeper in the second round of my fantasy draft. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just a typo. <laughs> it's just a little typo. You know what I'm saying? A little, right. little J, J instead of A. You know what I mean? It happens. It happens. But that was pretty funny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So our final question comes today from A.Fielding81. And he's asking, are you taking Damian Pierce over the high-end rookie running backs in Dynasty? I'm assuming that means James Cook, Brees Hall, and those kind of names. No. I'm not. And, and I, listen, I love Damian Pierce. You guys know I love Damian Pierce. but And I think he can definitely be a value in Dynasty rookie drafts, or at least he was a value in Dynasty rookie drafts. People are going to be reaching for him at, at, for sure if, if you haven't drafted yet. But listen, like the data shows that you want to target high draft capital guys who are good prospects, right? And that is what I'm going to continue to do. As of right now, Damian Pierce, he does have the inside track of being – a rookie who gets opportunity very early this year, you know, compared to a lot of these other rookie running backs who were taken earlier in drafts. But, you know, for Dynasty, we're looking long-term, right? And you want those higher-end guys who have higher draft capital, like Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, James Cook. Even though, like, I don't like Kenneth Walker this year, but still drafting him before Damian Pierce, okay? Uh, you know, from a talent perspective, I do think – Pierce is more talented, like overall, than someone like maybe James Cook, right? I love James Cook in the receiving game. I love him as the athlete, but a three-down skill set, someone who could, could potentially get goal line work, like I, I, from a talent perspective, if I'm like trying to look at that and say like who who could potentially be that guy, I, I think it's going to be Pierce. However, draft capital matters, and I'm always going to defer to that, you know, assuming it's combined with solid talent. Because perceived talent, right, isn't enough across a large sample size, right? Across a large sample right. size, we're talking draft capital. We're talking, you know, athleticism. We're talking, uh, you know, just overall, there are certain metrics that we look at, you know, to determine whether a prospect is going to be good in the NFL or at least has a high chance of being good in the NFL. Those are the things that matter. And unfortunately, Damian Pierce's draft capital, you know, really pegs him down and, and makes him less valuable in Dynasty. Right, I'm with you. I, I'm not taking Damian Pierce over anybody else. I think people are kind of getting caught up in this hype about him this year, and they're thinking, oh, well, if he's going to get the first first teamwork, he's going to be RB1 you know, this year, then he'll just take that momentum, and he'll be the Texans running back RB1 for the next five years. And that's not necessarily the case. Damian Pierce starting this year, if he does, is a product of the team that he's on. The Texans are not very talented. They don't have a whole lot of talent on their team. And it's not to say that Damian Pierce isn't talented himself, but Damian Pierce doesn't start on 80, maybe 90% of the rest of the teams in the NFL because they all have running backs that are good. He, I don't even know if Damian Pierce would be starting over Devin Singletary. And that's kind of what James Cook is stuck with right now. So I wouldn't be taking Damian Pierce over the other high-end rookie running backs that 
I think we talked about, you know, Cook, Brees Hall, even Rashad White, those nine, those names, you know. I get the hype surrounding Damian Pierce. I love that he's starting this year, but as a dynasty asset, I just don't see him having quite the value yet. If things happen these next few years and none of the other rookie running backs come on, then and Damian Pierce is, you know, tearing it up, good for him. But I don't anticipate that happening. I think the rest of the running backs will have a chance to show uh, what they got, and they'll have more value. Um, Damian Pierce is great this year. He has much more value for redraft, absolutely. But Dynasty, I don't think that's the case. How dare you? How dare you say that he he would hardly beat out Devin Singletary? How dare you? If James Cook isn't, you know, I have I have trouble thinking that Damian Pierce, you know, would. Oh, Zach. Zach, you're killing me, dude. You're killing me with this one, man. You, can, you know how much Ooh. I love Damian Pierce and how much I hate Devin Singletary? This one stings, right. man. This one stings, <laughs> man. I'm sorry. All right, guys. That, that's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Hope this episode helped you a ton. I think there were a lot of good nuggets in this one. Uh, so hope this, you know, is somewhat, you know, you can kind of take these strategies and, you know, apply them to your drafts and, and to your fantasy football leagues this year. Appreciate you guys. Hit us up over on Instagram at Upper Hand Fantasy. Review the podcast if you can. Uh, that would mean the world to us. And subscribe to the podcast. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.